I want to invite you to please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. We are in a series that we started at the beginning of the month, um, and we want to continue that. And of course, with, with the, the last week's meeting at Fondren and then next week's as well, we won't be able to finish this series um, this month, but we will continue um, after Easter. But I wanted to touch on a very important aspect of this issue of wisdom that God extends to you and I to help us to live wise in the world that is more and more um, upside down. Uh, someone once said, if you sow a thought, you will reap a deed. If you sow a deed, you will reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you will reap a character. And if you sow a character, you will reap a destiny. So today we're continuing a series titled Gray Matters, where we're discovering the importance of applying ourselves to the wisdom that God gives you and I to make right choices and decisions for Him. Choices that are consistent with who He is, but also consistent with who, who He wants us to be in Christ. Too often, as we've learned in the, in the previous uh, time we were together, many Christians approach their walk with Christ as an excuse to live however they please, rather than as, a, as an opportunity to live in a way that glorifies God. And that's why it's very, very important in the scripture we're about to see this morning. We see the Apostle Paul's warning to believers about the importance of walking in the spirit rather than walking in the flesh. And so I want us to really quickly read the text that we're going to focus on today, chapter 5 of Galatians from verse 16 to verse 26. It, Paul begins by saying, So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the flesh desires what is contrary. Everybody say contrary. That word contrary means what is the opposite of. What, what by nature disagrees with. So what Paul is suggesting is that the flesh and the spirit can never be in agreement. No matter how we try to reconcile both, they can never see, uh, the, they can never be on the same page. They can never have the same values, have the same motives. So because... Um, the, 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 the desires of the flesh are contrary to the desires of the spirit. And of course, Paul says, the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. Why? Because they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. For the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, it is joy, it is peace, it is patience, I mean peace, excuse me, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Of course, a little bit of context, like it was with the church in Corinth, for which the books 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians are based. The book of Galatians was also written to a body of believers, uh, uh, Gentiles, who... Um, we're of the opinion that, again, freedom in Christ means I can live however I please. That because I'm in Christ, then anything I do that is a violation of God's command or, or a contradiction of what he represents or stands for, that it is excused. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. 
And so because Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, then we can live however we please. God's never going to hold it against us. Why? Because it's covered by the blood. And Paul said that is, that is a false way of thinking because if you truly are with Christ, if you truly are aligned with Christ, then how you live must be different. And that's what we often overlook is the fact that in Christ we are called to be different. Not that we are better than or that we are more loved by God than, but that we are called to be different. There is a calling out that every one of us experiences when we come to faith in Christ where the Bible says we are called out of darkness. Not that we remain in darkness and then we engage with it. God calls us out of darkness. That out of implies it is a mindset, a way of life, a way of living. God calls us out of that and he brings us into his marvelous light. So it's not that God calls us out of something and then leaves us to figure out ourselves. No, he brings us out of something so we might experience something else. And so God's desire is for you and I to understand that that for every one of us in here today, there is always going to be that conflict between our flesh and the spirit that resides in us when we came to faith in Christ. And, and both are clamoring for our devotion, our allegiance, our submission, and the choice of what we submit to, who we submit to, is ours. I can't choose for you, nor can you choose for me. But every one of us is making a choice. And Paul, in the scripture we just read, paints for us this picture of this constant conflict that happens within every one of us that requires that we all make a decision. Are we going to submit to our flesh or are we going to submit to our spirit? But we must understand this. To whichever side we submit, there is evidence. There is proof of, of which area we are, we are submitted to. So if we choose to follow the flesh, Paul says that there are characteristics that will be, that will be expressed in one who is living for themselves. But when we choose to walk in the Spirit, there will be evidence of that played out in our lives. So I wanted to quickly share with you um, four things, four, four points that I take from the Scripture about the flesh and about the Spirit. And then we're going to get into today's message. I only have a few minutes, so I want to, I want to quickly go through this. So here's what Paul describes about the flesh. Four characteristics of the flesh we must pay attention to. Number one, the Bible tells us that the flesh always prioritizes self-indulgence over self-control. That is the flesh. The flesh is always seeking, seeking where it can find its next, next source of gratification, its satisfaction, its pleasure. And oftentimes we are unwilling to, our flesh is unwilling to exercise self-control in the pursuit of gratification. Not only does the flesh prioritize self-indulgence, but the flesh prefers, the Bible says, whatever is the opposite of what God wants. Remember what Paul says, that the flesh and the spirit are constantly in battle. What the flesh wants is not what the spirit wants. What the spirit wants is not what the flesh wants. And we must understand that this morning, that the flesh always prefers the opposite of what God prefers. Not only that, but the flesh by nature proves that you and I are helpless without God. If you and I could figure out this flesh on our own, Jesus would not have had to die. Do you understand that this morning? If you and I could police our flesh, if you and I could deal with sin on our own, Jesus would not have had to die. But the reason he had to die was because we are helpless. And every time our flesh expresses itself in choices and decisions and actions that, as Paul says, are, are illustrative of the flesh being in control, what we are simply saying is, I am not in control. So, you know, when people have this mentality of, as we talked about two weeks ago in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where Paul says, you can say, I have a right to do X, Y, and Z, but Paul says, no, you may have a right to do something, but it doesn't mean that whatever it is you're doing is beneficial or it is constructive. 
So the issue isn't whether you have a right to do something or not. The issue is, is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Because if it is not, then having a right to do something does not matter. There are many things that people in the world today feel like they have a right to do. They feel like they have a license to do, but it does not make it right. And so we must, as believers, learn to prioritize what is uh, in keeping with a life that is committed to God versus a life that is, that is helpless and living under the enslavement of the flesh. But then another thing that Paul tells us is this, that the flesh always presents itself in sinful desires and actions. We read it just now. Paul says, again, the acts of the flesh are obvious. In other words, he says it is not hidden. It is not ambiguous. It is not a mystery. When the flesh is in control, these are the characteristics that Paul tells us are expressed in one who is controlled by their fleshly desires. The sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and on and on and on. In other words, Paul is saying there is nothing that the flesh cannot do when it is allowed to run out of control. But it doesn't mean that any one of those things are beneficial to us. We may, get a, uh, we may get a momentary, temporary pleasure from giving in to our sinful fleshly desires, but listen to me, friends, like, like the bills that you and I have to pay, it's going to come calling and, 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 and it requires to be paid. Every single, every single act of sin has a consequence. Pastor Steve always says that the choices and decisions we make will either draw us away from God or it will drive us closer to Him. But there's always a consequence to the decisions and choices we make. By contrast, Paul says that not only, um, not, not, not only should we focus on what the flesh does, but here's what the Spirit of God does when the Spirit of God is in control in our lives. Number one, He helps us to repel the attraction of sin. Again, we've said that, that you and I on our own are helpless against sin. We cannot, we cannot deal with sin on our own. We don't have the power, we don't have the capacity to do so. So it is the Holy Spirit who helps us to repel the attraction of sin. It is the Holy Spirit who helps us to be able to say no to our fleshly desires. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to say, to resist, as the scripture says, the devil so that he flees from our lives. It is the Holy Spirit that provides that way of escape for us when we are tempted. God has assured us that every time we are tempted, number one, it's not a temptation that, that, is, that, 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 that is unique to us. Everyone else has experienced the same. But more importantly, God will always provide a way of escape for it. Why? Because God doesn't want you to be on your own in dealing with sin. He has made it clear that His desire is to help us to repel the attraction of sin. But not only that, but God's Spirit defends us against the influence of sin. When you and I come to faith in Christ, the Bible tells us that we are no longer our own. It is the Lord that is in charge. He's in control. When we surrender our hearts to Christ, we're saying, I don't want to live the way I think is best. I don't want to live the way I think is right. I want to live for you, and I want you to live in me and to live through me. And so what the Holy Spirit does is, is that He defends us against the influence of sin, the power of sin. God's Spirit helps us to embody the character of Christ. Every one of these characteristics that Paul lists in chapter 5 of Galatians, in chapter 5 of Galatians, every one of these, Paul says, are fruits of the Holy Spirit being in control. Not us being in control, but the Holy Spirit being in control. And what is the Holy Spirit's goal? The Holy Spirit's goal, and I'm getting ahead of myself for just these moments, but what is the Holy Spirit's goal? It is to help us to become more and more like Christ. And how does he do that? By reminding us, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things that I have taught you. He's not going to come and tell you his own thing. He's not going to come with a new agenda, a different agenda from what I've already established. He will come to remind you of the things that I've taught you. 
So the Holy Spirit's goal, his, his purpose is to help you and I to more and more as we submit to his leadership, embody the character of Christ. And then finally, the Holy Spirit motivates you and I to live selflessly. Probably one of the most uh, obvious characteristics of the flesh is that we make selfish decisions. Every one of those characteristics that Paul lists in chapter 5 are all about me, right? They're all about me, me, myself, and I, what I want, what I want to get, what I want to gain, what I want to accumulate, what, what will make me happy. It's all focused on self. The flesh is always focused on self. Rarely is the flesh, if ever, focused on another. Rarely is our flesh ever concerned about somebody else. What the flesh wants, it wants, even if it comes at the expense of somebody else's pleasure or comfort. So when we, by, 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 in contrast to the flesh, we embrace the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives, He motivates you and I to now live selfless. Why? Because that's who Jesus was. Everything He did, the, His ministry, the three and a half years He lived on the earth, He embodied selflessness. Ultimately, He demonstrated that, that willingness to give of Himself to others by dying on the cross when He did so 2,000 years ago. And so because... The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to help us to become more and more like Christ. Part of what He does is to motivate us to live selflessly. So when you, when you consider all of, all, of, all, of, all of what the Bible teaches about the characteristics of the Holy Spirit being in control or the characteristics of the flesh being in control, what you discover is this. You and I show we belong to Christ not by yielding to our flesh, but by yielding to the Holy Spirit's leadership and direction. That's how we demonstrate that we belong to Christ. Again, being a Christian is not simply because the fact that I go to a church on a Sunday morning or because I, I pray grace over a meal in Jesus' name or, or because I have a Bible that I carry around so everybody can see that I carry a Bible around. No, being a Christian is about recognizing your dependence on the Lord to be who He wants you to be. That there is nothing you and I can do on our own to live for God outside of the Holy Spirit's involvement. And so every day is a journey of yielding to His guidance, yielding to His direction in our lives, allowing Him to direct our steps, allowing Him to give us, to, 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 to caution us when, when, when we're going in, in, a, in, a, in a path that, is, that, is, that takes us away from God's will and purpose for our lives, and, and also affirming when we are doing what is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And in the times that you and I live, I hope you'll agree with me this morning when I say this, we need the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. We absolutely need the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. We need Him to give us boldness. We need Him to give us courage to live for God because we are living in very difficult times. And, and if, 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 if anyone presumes that they can live for God without the Lord's help, I'm telling you, you're, you're pursuing a fool's errand because you cannot do it on your own. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us. And how does He do so? I want to quickly give you three ways that I believe that you and I can apply the Holy Spirit is leading in our lives, not just uh, moment by moment, but every single day of our lives. The first thing we need to do in following the Holy Spirit's lead is to know what God's Word teaches. There's a question that I often ask myself when I'm faced with a decision or a choice, and I want to challenge you to do, to do the same, and it's this. Do your actions align with God's Word? Here's the problem. Many believers do not even know what God's Word teaches. Many times we rely on somebody else to tell us what God's Word says. And the Bible says that, that God invites you and I to engage Him in relationship. And part of that relationship, that positive relationship is, is that we are learning more about Him. We are gaining, we are growing in knowledge and in wisdom. And that wisdom is gained by reading the Word of God. 
You, you must be a student of God's Word. I'm not suggesting that you have to know the Bible cover to cover, as, as in memorize the scriptures cover to cover. I used to have that pressure, I used to put that pressure on myself many years ago, where I was so afraid to share my faith with others because I thought, well, what if they ask me a question that I don't have an answer to? Or, or what, if, what if they tell me to quote so and so in such and such a scripture and I, I can't quote it off the top of my head? And there was this insecurity that I dealt with that, that I had to know the Bible cover to cover before I could be an effective witness for Christ. But no. What is more important to God is that as we are engaging His Word, we are allowing that Word to change how we think. Remember what Paul says in Romans 12. He says that we are to present ourselves to God as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. And then he goes and talks about this process he calls the, the renewing of our minds. How is our mind renewed? That word renew means that, that, that how we think. A way of life or a way of th- or mindset that is reflective of, of those who are, are still in the world is being transformed because we are more and more spending time in the Word and allowing the Lord to speak to us in His Word. So that when we find ourselves in situations or circumstances that call for us to make a decision, take action, that we are not doing what we think is right, but that the Holy Spirit can bring to our remembrance what He has revealed to us in the Word and we're able to apply the Word to our lives. Does it make sense what I'm saying to you this morning? God invites us to be students of His Word so that when we are in, as we are living day to day, the Holy Spirit can bring to our remembrance what the Word of God teaches and the Word can serve as that guide and direction for our lives. But here's the thing, if there is no Word deposited in our hearts, then what is the Holy Spirit going to use? Why would the psalmist say, your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you? He understood that the way we are able to stand against temptation, able to stand against deception, is when we have the Word in our hearts. Because it is the Holy Spirit's job to bring that Word to our remembrance. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Why? Because it is in the reminding that we are equipped to then respond and to make decisions and choices that are pleasing to the Lord. Not only that, we must also seek the Lord's guidance. Part of the, 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 the call to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership is, is to recognize that He exists to guide us. And so a question that I often ask myself is this, do my actions lead me to do the will of God? When God guides, He guides that He might bring you and I to, to an experience of His will for our lives. When, 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 when God gives us His Word, it's so we, we know His Word and we know how we are to walk in His will. Again, how can we, how can we know God's will if we're, not, if we're not hiding God's Word in our hearts, if we're not taking time to meditate on His Word, if we're not asking the Lord to lead us and guide us in the decisions and choices that we're faced with? There have been so many times where, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, where I, you know, I, I, I'm sitting with someone and they're, they're, they're talking to me about some of the stuff that they're going through. And I'm, internally, as I'm listening, I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, give me the right words for this person. Lord, help me to understand what, what is really going on in their life. Because I don't, want to just, I, don't want to just, I don't want to just assume what's happening. I don't want to just come to a, a conclusion that makes sense to me. I really need the Holy Spirit to guide me. Why? Because, because what I want is for this person to experience what God wants, not what I want. 
But for, what, for them to experience God wants. So imagine if you're dealing with a co-worker or you're dealing with a neighbor who comes in and say, hey, I'm going through X, Y, and Z and I, I don't know what to do. And, and, and this is what's happening and this is where, th- these are some things that I've done and, and I'm dealing with this consequence or that consequence. And we sit there, wouldn't it be, how much beneficial would it be for us when we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us as we are sitting there and listening to this individual and God has given us an opportunity to minister to them. And when we do so, we're not speaking from human wisdom but we're speaking as the Holy Spirit gives us guidance and direction they were able to say the things we need to say the things that God wants them to hear that that, that, that might be the catalyst for turning that situation or circumstance around God has given every one of us the opportunity to be a catalyst through which he might bring change to somebody else's life but again it's all about bringing us to God's will bringing others to God's will and if we are not seeking his guidance then how can we know his will Listen to what Romans 8.14 says. That the true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. Those who are truly God's children are those who allow the Spirit of God to lead them. They recognize the value of being led and embrace that leading constantly. We do, again, it's as, as, as Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not what? Lean on what? Your own understanding is not to suggest that your understanding is flawed or faulty or, it is, or, or, or you're not wise. But what it's saying is that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are better than ours, far greater than ours. And, and when we learn to embrace his, his thoughts and we learn to embrace His direction in our lives, that He will lead us into His perfect will for us. We never have to worry that God will lead us in the right direction. God wants us to know His will. But he won't force his will on us. He invites us to embrace his will. And here's the last point. Those who are led by the Spirit of God prefer that which glorifies God. And it is the question, do your actions glorify him? I think an important litmus test for anything we do, no matter who we're with or what we are doing, is this question of, is my actions glorifying God? Do my words glorify God? Do my, does my attitude glorify God? Because if you have a concern or question about whether or not it glorifies God, then I think it is, it, is, it is reasonable to pause and to ask the Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this what you want me to say? Is this how you want me to respond? Because the question is, does it glorify God? God will not do anything or call us to do anything that would take away from His glory. And does it mean that God is, God is full of Himself? God has every right to demand that everything we do be about Him. He has every right. And so we should never expect that God will be ashamed or shy about, about prioritizing His glory. He is God. And so the question we must ask ourselves, if we are to be truly led by the Spirit, is to say, God, is what I'm doing going to glorify you or is it going to take away from your glory? And, and, and act accordingly. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body, everybody say, my body. This is what Paul says about your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own. He's asking this question, do you not know that you do not belong to yourself any longer? You are not your own property. Again, remember that phrase, I have a right to do anything. No, you do not, because you're not yours. When you surrendered your heart to Christ, you said, have me, have all of me. Take control of my life. Become Lord of my life. You be in charge. Take me where you want to go, where you want me to go. Do with me what you want to do. And it's not, it's not an easy prayer. It, 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 is, it is tough to, to have to submit 
and, to, and, and, and for God to, to take us through, as it were, the, the, uh, a challenging experience that causes us to die to ourselves, to die to our fleshly desires. It is not easy. I'm not going to suggest to you that it's easy. It is not easy. And yet God still says we must do it. Why? Because it is value. There is value in, in yielding and submitting totally to Him. He goes on to say, For you have been bought with a price. Because you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And what does that, that, that word body mean? Your words, your actions, your attitude, your thoughts, your motives, your desires, every part of you, he says, glorify God in our bodies. Why? Because we exist to bring glory to him. And again, anything that takes away from glorifying God, or even worse, anything that, that, that impugns him in the eyes of the world, friends, must not be spoken of us. We all must be committed to living for God. And again, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning, Paul tells us that, that in order for you and I to live for God, the Holy Spirit has to be in, in, he has to be in the lead in our lives. We have to submit to Him. We have to submit to His leadership, to His direction. That is the only way that you and I can overcome the flesh. This flesh is going to constantly crave to be satisfied. It's going to constantly crave to be appeased. To be assuaged and we must we must make a deliberate decision i am no longer going to live for my flesh i'm going to live for god and i'm going to do so through the power of the holy spirit every single day the call is clear to every one of us are we going to choose to follow the holy spirit's leading or are we going to choose our flesh i guarantee you this because this is where god's word says and god is not man that he should lie if we choose to follow the flesh we cannot be surprised when we begin to see, as Paul described, the characters of the flesh expressed in our lives. But when we choose to live by the Spirit, we can be assured that the, the, the attributes that the Holy Spirit produces will be evident in our own lives. Why? Because He is in charge and we are following His lead. And I challenge you on our way to heaven, let us follow the Holy Spirit's direction in our lives. God wants to produce in our lives a righteousness that no one can take credit for. But when a, when, when a watching world sees that they see, they see the one who has transformed our lives because of the difference he's made in us. It's not about being perfect. It's not about trying to project this air of perfection as if we have it all together. We have no struggles or issues in life. It's about showing a watching world, listen, I don't have it all together, but the God in whom I put my life, in whose hands I put my life in, He has it all together and He will take me where He wants me to go. He will do in me what he only, only He can do and I know that my life will be better for it because I've trusted Him. But if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, understand to me that today that the most important decision you can make is to choose to is to, is to choose to follow Him. The Bible says that it is our sin that keeps us from relationship with God. It is our sins that keep us from fellowship with God. But God loved us so much that He did what? He sent His only Son so that Christ could once and for all deal with that sin issue. So that, so that sin no longer becomes an excuse for why we cannot engage our Heavenly Father. Jesus took care of that on the cross. And in response to what He did, we come to Him acknowledging that it is our sins that put him on that cross. And that he died because there was nothing we could do about our sin. And that we fully embrace him. And we want all of him. And we want him to change our lives, to transform us. And to begin to produce in us the life that he desires for us. To help us to live the purpose and plan that God has for us. Friends, that will not happen unless we first surrender. And every day is an opportunity for us to surrender. So maybe today, as you've been listening to me, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you and saying this. You know, you need to surrender. 
Or, or maybe you walk with the Lord, but, but there are aspects of your life that you are, you are holding on to. And maybe you're, you're feeling like, God, I, 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 I'll figure this out on my own. And God is saying, no, you just need to surrender. Stop trying to do this on your own. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Stop trying to do this on your own. Embrace the help I provide you. This is our opportunity to respond to God and say, God, do in me what needs to be done. Have your way in my life today. I want you to be in control. I want to invite every head to be bowed and eyes closed to this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that reminds us so, in, in such a subtle way, very, yet very practical way, the importance of following the Holy Spirit's leadership as opposed to following the flesh. So often, Father, we are drawn to our fleshly desires, our flesh craves to be satisfied, to, be, to, be, to have his desires met. And, and yet, Lord, for us, there's that internal struggle that knowing that, God, we cannot give in to our flesh and at the same time live for you. And God, for the times where we have given into our flesh, Father, and we've submitted to our flesh's desires, God, we ask you for mercy. We ask for forgiveness, Lord. Christ didn't die on the cross so that we can live enslaved into sin. He died to set us free from the power of sin. Help us, Lord, to embody, embrace, to appropriate that power you've made available to us, that freedom that you've made possible through Christ. And help us, Lord, to live by your Spirit. Help us to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership, His direction, His guidance in our lives. Help us, Lord, to not lean on our own understanding. Help us to not try to do this on our own. But help us, Lord, to embrace the Holy Spirit's leadership and guidance. I know we're not always going to get it right, Father. But God, thank you that, Lord, you are patiently working with us, Lord, as we submit ourselves to you and as we yield ourselves to you, God. You are working in us, Lord, to help us, Lord, to become more and more like your Son, Jesus. So, God, I pray, help us today and every single day to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership by hiding your word in our hearts. Father, by seeking God to, to, to walk in your will and, by, and, by, and, by, and by, uh, by prioritizing, glorifying you above all else. Help us today, Father. And for whoever, whoever may be here today that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus, but in this moment they recognize that they need to surrender their hearts and lives to Jesus. God, I thank you that, Lord, even in this moment, Father, as you stand at the door of their hearts and you're knocking, that, God, they are opening and they're inviting you to come in. And not just to come in and to hang out, but come in and to transform their lives, to live in them, to live through them, to make them everything you want them to be in Christ, so that they can walk in freedom that is only found in knowing Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite those who would say with me today, Pastor John, pray with me that I would accept Christ as my Savior and Lord. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It is a commitment, but you must own this commitment and, and, and express it by faith, believing that as you cry out to God, that God will meet you in your place and point of need, that He will forgive you and that He will make all things new in your life. That He will give you a new identity. Why? Because you embrace Christ as Savior and Lord. And I want to encourage the congregation to also pray this prayer to encourage those who are making that decision today. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you today for the opportunity that you have given me to make things right with you. I come to you now acknowledging that I am a sinner and that it is my sin that separates me from you. God, I thank you that even though there was nothing I could do about my sin, you did everything that was needed. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and he gave himself willingly and he paid my, for my sins. And because, because, because of his sacrifice, I am forgiven. And because he rose from the dead, I have the promise of eternal life. I open the door of my heart to you today. 
Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Change me. Live in me. Live through me. And may I walk in newness of life through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.